You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast with Benji Nyson. This show is supported by our show partner, LaCole. Stage 9 from Clues to Tinia. This is the recap. And the last stage before the rest day, we'll have the rest day recap. Tomorrow we'll take stock of our... Bella Games teams, mine is in absolute tatters once again. But this stage, 145 k's long, a shorter one, but the back end of th- this is the third day of hard racing. They have a long climb, Col de Saves, 10k, 6% descent. Col du Pre, Cornet de Rosalon combo that we saw on the Dauphiné, 12.5k's, 8% straight into 6k's, 6%. Then a long descent valley in the fl- flat valley. Then the longest climb of the race so far, the Monte de Tigne, 21k's. Five and a half percent. It was where Primoz Roglic had been doing his recon rides for like a month, and where Yumbo would have been planning an attack, but uh, not today because he didn't start the race. Matthew Van der Poel also did not start preparing for Tokyo. But yeah, the climbs were very gradual with a flat finish. Um, what did you make of MVDP abandoning Benji? He didn't even pretend he had knee pain. He just said, "I'm going to the Olympics." Do you expect Merck's outraged comments? Probably not because it's Vanderpool, but in all <laughs> honesty, Vanderpool should do what he wants. I don't care. He should go for the goals. He plans for himself. He gave us wonderful things, and I'm thankful for that. If he wants to leave underwater stuff now, that's good because I didn't expect him to do much from this point onwards anyway. We've got like two, three stages where he could do something. So um, yeah, I find it a good decision. I think that it's wise for the Olympics. And as a consequence, I also think that it's wise in the long run because perhaps it's not ideal to try and go for three weeks the first time you go you go to the Tour de France uh, if you've got other plans just after, stuff like that. And yeah, all in all, I find it a good decision. Nothing more than that. The break, Benji. We knew the we thought a break was going to win and it'd be a large group, Ben, because UAE don't have to pace anything really. Pagat just got such a huge gap that even someone on 10 minutes, I mean, why, why do they really care? And even if they get close, he can beat them later. Anyway, so how did the break initially form, and and was it as long as yesterday or the other day, where there was like they were fighting for an hour, hour and a half? It was a very long break fight, to be honest. And it started off quite simple. We started seeing uh, two riders go out the front. I think it was Ballerini and uh, Sweeney, and they had a gap for uh, quite a while because the peloton wasn't planning to directly start attacking. You see on the profile of the stage that you got a flat section before the Côte de Montsi, and People want to wait until the climb starts to send their climbers in the breakaway. And to make sure that happens, we saw Israel Startup Nation move to the front of the peloton, set Greipel at the front, their GC leader, and um, they had him pace until the bottom of the Côte de Mancy with Sweeney and Ballerini like 27 seconds ahead or something. Just for the attempt of trying to make sure that it all stays together for a bit until the climb starts and then they can start attacking with Dan Martin and Michael Woods. They tried with both, and eventually Woods was the one that hit the front most of the time. Dan Martin was in there for a bit, but you know the next ascend he's not going to be there, so I guess he was gone pretty soon. 
But um, the rest of the break formed very gradually, people attacking left and right, and also the fight for green cost that because we've got that intermediate sprint after they called Domancy, which means that climby sprinty boys, as we call them, decide to try and go in breakaways. And we saw Matthews and like three teammates of of a bike exchange setting a pace at the front of the group and and trying to get away in a second group that way. And Colbelli was there as well with teammates. He had to do most of it alone though. Because Dylan Turns was there, but I wasn't there all the time. Dylan Turns was not on the level of yesterday, but I can imagine that he's probably uh, had a pretty rough day yesterday <laughs> trying to get that victory. But um, all in all, that battle came together, and for a good half an hour, break fights was go- were going on. Matthews trying to attack, Colbelli trying to attack, and their teams trying to work together to try and attack against each other, basically. And uh, going towards the intermediate sprint, then we have those two teams at the front of the race in the front of the breakaways because still a lot of teams at the front before the peloton or a lead group i think a good minute and a half at that point and we saw that colbrelli and matches were prepping for it matches had his three-man train going towards intermediate sprint colbrelli in the wheel of matches and then something shady started happening matches goes passes lead out and he's on the left side of the road he deviates from that point to the entire other side of the road, basically almost pushing Gobrelli in the barriers, just stops a meter in front of it to try and stay safe of the rule, you know, so that you're not uh, actually throwing, in, like throwing him in the Swiss. barrier. Yeah, exactly. Exactly the same thing as Kostya and Swiss. And that's uh, a clear deviation and should be relegated. But the problem is they've got a gap of the, on the next group. There's a three-second gap. Uh, gap after those two riders to the next group so he's gonna get relegated in the group and he's gonna get second after well losing the sprint after deviating because Colbrelli came past so if he gets punished there he's going from second to second which is just yeah that's how the rule works unfortunately so um no punishment for that and no punishment possible because the rule is not applicable but next to the sprint deviation break started forming fully then and we had riders like Hegita show up at the front, Quintana show up at the front, and we also had Woods that was attacking a lot. But most importantly, and I do the, the legend 40? of the day, Wout Pulse. <laughs> Wout Pulse does his own breakaway. He doesn't want to be in a forty-man breakaway. <laughs> Wout Pulse wants to ride the Tour de France solo and just sit 40, 20 seconds in front of whatever breakaway group there is. But it is a huge <laughs> break, but no GC threats. For the stage with this mountaintop finish, we had, I mean, Costa was there, dropped back later. It's the stage, we had Bargui, Coos, Van Baal, Paulus, Dan Martin, Pierre Rolland, Patrick Conrad, Geshka, Freyler, Egita Guerrero, Lucas Hamilton, Pacher, Latour, Elisande, Morich, Woods, Bonamour, Quintana, Alaphilippe, Fulsang, Esteban Chavez, Cataneo, Turns, Molima, Poles, O'Connor, Guillaume Martin, the closest on GC, Martin at 7.28, O'Connor at 8.13. Remember that? O'Connor at 8 minutes 13 on Taddy Pagacha. But given where GC is at right now, that 8.13 is actually, pretending Pagacha doesn't exist, about three minutes on the bundle of GC podium contenders behind. So once O'Connor snuck into that break, Benji, and he said it wasn't the plan, he just found himself in there like Simon Yates on stage seven. What can, if I'm going to pretend you're the director of Education First or Movistar, Benji, UAE don't care about O'Connor. They gave him eight minutes, don't care. 
would you have, when it got to five, six minutes, sent a rider up to pace a little bit harder than UAE or is there just nothing you can do? I, I don't think I would. Like, it depends because Ben O'Connor is still dangerous. He's a rider that has done very well at Romandy, for example. He's dangerous in GC. If you have him five minutes ahead of Pogacar, then good luck trying to podium or top five this Tour de France if you're like... Uh, a Vingega or a Nuran or something because Ben O'Connor will likely survive and keep, well, relatively a gap on the others because he's going to lose time on Nuran and so forth, I think, on mountains. Perhaps not because O'Connor's a good climber. So, I don't know. I think that people might underestimate him, but I'm not sure if I would kick in and say, ah, I'll put a rider up front and at least pace a bit against O'Connor. I think that that might be a bit too much. Yeah, I think it depends on the team. Everyone's really tired. I think it's just one of those things where O'Connor's smart enough to get in that break and Guillaume Martin is as well. But, you know, maybe I guess Lopez rides like that. They're just too far on GC. Before we get into the break, beginning to attack each other, I'll mention our show partner, Lacole. They produce performance cycling apparel produced at the base of Monte Grappa in Italy. If you want to get some Lacole kit, pick it up using our code LRTDF20, which can get you 20% off all items, even if they're already discounted. But the break, Benji, what, like, again, you mentioned what poles. Why are riders attacking with 90Ks to go? They're not attacking the group of 40. They're attacking when they formed a group of five. We had a group of, like, Quintana, Poles, Igita, Woods, O'Connor, Hamilton. And Quintana just refused to work with the group with 90Ks to go in the rain on like Col de Prey. What's the rationale for them attacking so early? Well, I think that Wout Pulse's goal is different from people that are in the other breakaway part, like Igita and so forth, who are aiming for the stage win. Wout Pulse is not, so he needs to attack early. The problem with Pools is that he attacks way too early. Like he starts attacking 30k in front of a K1 point to try and get that K1 point. That's not gonna help too much. It gets you an advantage on people, but the people behind you will also, if they're having the goal of K1, also go for it. We saw that at one of the early K1 points where Bart Pools was going for it and he was trying to get those points, and Quintana attacked from behind trying to get those points instead. He attacked away. Woods was also mingling about in those sprints and Quintana had the sprint of his life against Pools to try and get the K1 points there and just about lost it on the line. I think he's still preparing for the intermediate sprints. But <laughs> Pools takes points there, but the problem is that he spends so much energy at the front, 25 seconds ahead of everybody, that the climb afterwards, he just blows up. And then you've got a situation where Quintana's lonely at the front for a bit and we see Higita flying from the back straight to the front O'Connor is making moves in the back as well and slowly but surely catching people. Woods is in a descent, so he's losing plenty of time. I think in one descent, he lost four minutes. Not even joking. And um, we've got an interesting K1 battle today. I have to be honest. In the end, Nairo Quintana took most of the K1 points and is now the new Polkadot leader. You have Michael Woods sitting in second on 42 points and Pulse's early actions of going too early is what leads him to 39 points only. And O'Connor is actually out there as well, 24 points behind. So it's a fierce battle there, and I look forward to seeing where this goes because in previous years we had Ogacha already fighting for it as well accidentally because he got too many points on the climbs because Yumbo pulled into the line every time to sprint for K1 points. And um, as a consequence, he was closer, but this year he's on 10 points, so 40 points behind already. But the problem is, I think you told me this, that 
most of the K1 points that were in the final week, right? Well, on Monvon 2, the second ascent, there's, four, there's 40 points available, and Quintana's got 50 total in nine stages. So the stages like stage 11 got a lot of points, and then stages 14 to 17, or 18 rather, 14 to 18, there's just like 160 points available. So maybe if you want to wear the jersey for a day or two, for sure going hard today is, you know, and sacrificing the stage win like poles, maybe that makes sense. But if you want to, I would have gone for the stage personally. You'll pick up enough points. The battle for the polka dots will be won in, if you actually want to wear it in Paris, it'll be won in stages 14 to 18. Uh, So I feel like, yeah, you wouldn't have lost the polka dot battle if you rode a bit more conservatively to conservatively today if you're Woods or Poles. And we saw yesterday Woods rode really aggressive early, attacking early, got caught by turns, dropped. We saw a similar thing happening today. Ben O'Connor seemed to ride within his limits, and he's like 6'2", 188 centimetres, um, bigger guy, West Australian. And then you've got Egita and Quintana. We don't need to tell you how small they are. They were attacking him on virtually every descent, he looked like uh, when maybe it was the crest of Rosalind Benji. He had the brown gloves. Someone in my Discord put a made a Bernie Sanders meme. O'Connor was furious with this big brown glove he couldn't get on his left hand uh, in the Asia to the beautiful brown kit. And um, he was having trouble in the descents. They dropped him multiple times. He'd come back on a flatter section with more sort of flat power. They drop him again, and it's very technical off the end of Rosalind. And I think the only threat to that group, they then they drop Woods. I think Woods was losing so much on the descents. Yeah. Uh, you, you calculate it. Like how, how much are we talking when he's actually losing on these descents? Like he started off the, the uh, well, he was at the top a bit behind the front riders, I think 30 seconds. And by the bottom, he was in a group four minutes, 30 behind. So that's a lot. I think that you have to add to that, that most likely if you're on two minutes, you're going to take it easy anyway, or easier or safer. Because at that point, you're like, I'm not getting back anyway, so I might as well just save energy for the coming days. So I think that's a bit bloated by that effect. But crazy descending at the front. Higita riding 80k an hour in wet descents. It's crazy. I was was scared. The bouncing cheetah, Higita, was in the descent. That's his new nickname, okay? Little monster. No, 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 no. The bouncing cheetah, Higita, it is. And... uh, he went crazy and he dropped Quintana, who's actually a pretty good descender because yeah. they were dropping O'Connor behind. And O'Connor was on 30 seconds at the bottom of the, it was a long descent. And he had to crawl back in the plateau section towards both Higita and Quintana, for example. So those two riders are what's left at the front of the race. Those are the ones that, that are going to be fighting it out because the next group is roughly on four minutes with the climby sprinty boy. Called Rally, or shall we call him the Sprinty Climby Boy at this point? No, he's just a pure climber right now. He's dropping, <laughs> dropped Alaphilippe, full sang Chavez. Just well, Alaphilippe in the rain is a bit of Yeah, a- true. Turns, oh, he's tired from yesterday. But yeah, that, that the next threat really was that group which had poor, I don't, sorry for the domestic, I don't. I didn't pick up his name, but Guillaume Martin had his, a cough at his teammate pulling for so long today in vain and they just never got any purchase on that. Woods, Quintana, Igita, uh, O'Connor group. Hamilton dropped out of that group. So, yeah, they go into Rosalind. We've got the two 55-kilo Colombians, Quintana and uh, Igita, who've just made O'Connor do a 30, you know, solo to get back to them after the descent. We've got a 21K, 5.5% climb. This should be, you thinking, game, set, and match for the Colombians. The problem is, and this is what doesn't make sense, Benji, Igita had been pulling a lot for Ben O'Connor and 
on both Col du Pre and Rosalon, and he continued to do so on Tinia, which I feel like he had a tactical reason to sit on the whole time. Yeah. He's got Rigoberto Uran behind. There's Ben O'Connor about at the base of Tinia goes into virtual Maya Jean, and Uran's podium is now being threatened by O'Connor. We'll talk about him more in a second if you haven't heard about him too much. And I'm like, Yito, why don't you just sit on and say, hey, I've got my teammate behind, you pull, and you're pulling really strong. Well, you, I, surely the team radio, I know Yito in the moment might not think it through, but surely the team should have told him that on the radio, Benji. Yep, I think so as well. And next to that, it's also a tactical thing. If you're Quintana and Yito and you see that O'Connor catches up in the plateau section before Tinia, from that point onwards, I say, to, uh, I say to O'Connor, well, if you want to have your yellow jersey, bloody right for it. I'm not taking over. I'm sitting in your wheel until the climb starts and I'll keep myself there until I can try and ride away at some point. There's no way I'm helping you right here. And he could have done so already, like you said, on the earlier climbs. But I think that he's also thinking about the stage. And I think the majority of stuff that Higita did was still in the descent. But he should have been more tactical towards the end. And, and it became even worse the second that we hit the bottom of Tinia. And we saw, first of all, the first two kilometers of the climb. It's 21 kilometers of climbing. Quintana drops. just park agile on yep. the right side of the road Off completely the done yep and then i'm like higita's winning this wow easy okay higita's nah, winning this I, I said <laughs> higita would win on tinia at some point in the last week and i was fully believing that it would happen like genuinely ah o'connor not winning this no not at all well, that's why he didn't need is. to pull benji because if they go exactly. to, if they go to the flat finish together higita smokes o'connor yeah and exactly. they got they got eight minutes on the peloton and five minutes on cataneo what's chase. happening there by the way Oh, and the peloton, UAE, well, yeah, we haven't mentioned them for a reason. UAE basically have six riders pacing backwards. Except McNulty, well. Yeah, yeah McNulty crashed on a descent. It was wet, technical descent off Rosalind, and he looked over his shoulder, his front wheel veered. He looked over his right shoulder, front wheel front wheel veered left. It's a bit of a tongue twister. <laughs> and he went into a ditch. Now, I haven't seen I hope he's okay. It yeah. looked like a soft he landing. Okay. But, um, but it was pretty deep, so it's I'm just, glad he, he was okay. Just mark it down. That is just... When people are like, oh, Pagashi never crashes, luck, etc. Oh, you know, it's not just luck. There has been a lot of luck influencing this first week. Things like that, you know, for example, Guru crashed in a similar scenario in Dauphiné or Paris-Nice in front of Paris-Nice, in front of Gegenhardt, brought him down. McNulty didn't bring Pagacha down, but he made a mistake and crashed. So just these, there is luck at play as well in this, but Pagacha's on the right side of it so far. But yeah, UAE don't care about O'Connor. We're like, are they letting him have the yellow jersey? But he went into the base with eight minutes, so they're always going to do Tinya quicker than him. One would think they, I think Bjerg was pacing too fast and then Micah was like, let's slow this right down. And they gave a minute back to O'Connor. But anyway, the battle between O'Connor and Nagita was short-lived because O'Connor just straight up rode away from him. We didn't see if he attacked or not. I don't even think he did. It seems like O'Connor was just able to ride a steady pace on all these climbs today and in the cold and wet conditions, just like in Romandy, I said Tion 2000, where he was very, very strong chasing Woods and Thomas. He came second on that stage, would have probably come third if Thomas hadn't crashed. Same thing today, similar climb if not as steep. And he like hard dropped a Gita and Quintana, Benji. It seems like they like forgot to eat or something because they lost a minute, two, three, four. Agita then gets passed by Quintana yeah. who dropped well, he earlier. He kept eating, so it's yeah. weird. I think they just spent too much energy at in the first yeah. two climbs. They were very offensive and O'Connor came from the back. Yeah. And that seems to be the better strategy here. 
and that's all that needs to be said, really. Like, we don't need to describe half an hour of Ben O'Connor riding solo, but the, the big Australian takes a huge stage win. Now winning a, a winner of a Giro and a Tour de France stage in less than a year. A guy who was out of contract at the end of last year on NTT, Azure Desert Citroën gave him a one-year deal. He then started riding really consistent in the one-week GC races, uh, one-week stage races this year. They gave him a three-year extension. They're going to be laughing now. They might have felt yep. like they lost some money when they only gave him the one year and then they had to re-up him for three, but they've now saved some money giving him that three-year deal. And they didn't even – they barely wrote an article about it. There was no fuss about it, and he's almost their best rider on the roster. I wrote a like a 3,000-word article a few days before the tour about Ben O'Connor uh, for like the highest-tier members of my uh, on the YouTube channel and I said, O'Connor can win a stage at this year's Tour de France. I'll just worry that he's going to go for GC. Polkadot's in a stage. He can definitely win the level he's shown. And he lost time on GC, went for the stage, is up there on Polkadot's, and now he's up there on GC, Benji. Exactly what he needed to do. What, what did you see in the GC group afterwards with Ineos then taking over and pacing? Do you think the attitude has taken over that, no one cares about Pogaccia anymore of the GC podium guys. I think so. I think that the entire group of individuals is basically thinking about their GC right now. I think that Ineos still had a bit of hope. You never know if something bad happens or something that, well, not to Pogaccia, but if he has a very bad day suddenly today or something and they pace and he accidentally drops while they didn't think it, then they're going to be happy with it. But their pacing was mainly to put some pressure on other podium candidates i'm pretty sure because then they kept on doing that and gary thomas very good ride today genuinely one of the better riders on ineos today very good ride sets a lot of pace on this climb and they were prepping something cut up us would attack at some point you would know it from that point onwards bogaccio was basically isolated when carapaz was down to his last rider but thomas pushed so hard that there were eight or nine riders left. Lutsenko was still there. Uran was still there. Vingago was still there. I think that uh, I'm missing a few names, but there were other people still there. I don't know who I forgot. Moss was there. Kelderman. Kelderman was there. And I think that's a group. And we see uh, all of a sudden the attack from uh, Carapaz. Well, we didn't see the attack like that. We saw at a certain point that he was five meters ahead of the group together with Pogacar in his wheel. And what happened next? Well, he... He basically just didn't have the legs, and it's not surprising. He's not looked on a – like, listen, Pagach has been on an insane level, that's for certain. But Carapaz hasn't been able to put time into Wilco Kel- – oh, I did actually at the end today. He hasn't been able to put time into Uran and Enric Mas in three days of attacks. So that, I think, is not the level you would expect of Carapaz, particularly when Ineos had kind of set it up. I do feel like he's been going very early – and then he gets brought back and then he's kind of isolated and he fights out amongst himself. Wingergaard we saw dropping off the back. Unfortunately, the camera work was a bit annoying. They preferred to have a motor, motorbike focusing on Cataneo coming five minutes after O'Connor than showing the podium GC battle. But when Carapaz got brought back, Pagacci was kind of left dangling off the front. He kept riding his tempo. He looks back, he sees he's got a 10-meter gap and then he just Pagacci just rides away. And all the other GC podium guys don't even react. They don't it, – it's rational. What they're yep. doing makes complete sense. The, if you're going to win the tour, if you're not to beat Tadej Pogacar, it's only if he crashes, right? And if he crashes out, it doesn't matter if he's eight minutes ahead of you, 20 or 30 minutes ahead of you. 
you're still, if you're second, you're going to win the tour. So you may as well focus on the guys around you. I know that's defeatist. It's the end of week one, but come on, like they're five minutes behind him. It's time to get something out of the tour. And yeah, he just rode away from them. And it was crazy. Luckily for Ben O'Connor, he had enough of a time gap today. <laughs> he wasn't going to take back seven minutes today, mate. Eventually, <laughs> the we last only... three kilometers. <laughs> yes, anything's possible, mate. Anyway, we saw we didn't, and then we didn't see anything. We saw Vingegaard dropping, and then we didn't see anything until the static cam at the finish line, and we see the groups pretty much together. So maybe they attacked each other. I think Mars had attacked, and then the other South Americans had joined him. But, yeah, they all came together over the line except Kelderman lost a bit of time. Here's the stage results. Ben O'Connor winning five minutes and seven seconds ahead of Matteo Cataneo, 5.34 ahead of Colbrelli. Colbrelli beat Guillaume Martin out of the break on this climb, which is it's crazy. Uh, Bonamore fifth, Pagacha sixth on 6.02. So Pagacha finished and took another 32 seconds on Carapaz. Vingegaard, Mas, and Uran with virtually no effort. And then Quintana Guerrero. Kelderman lost. So he lost 13 seconds, actually, on Carapaz, Vingegaard, and Mas. Uh, Godou lost a lot. Godou lost nearly a minute. And Lutschenko lost a full minute. So today has actually been the biggest, well, it's almost the biggest GC shakeup of this first week with Ben O'Connor. Pagacha still first. Ben O'Connor leapfrogs 12 spots into second. Two minutes and a second behind Pagacha, three minutes seventeen ahead of Uran, and three minutes thirty-one ahead of Vingegaard. They all move up. Mars moves up. Lushenko moves from third to eighth. Now on six twelve, he's behind all of Kelderman, Mars, Carapaz, Vingegaard, Uran, O'Connor, and Godu loses places as well. So, I think who who are you now looking at as without? taking away from the rest day recap tomorrow, Benji. I think I'll ask the, the proper question. Is Ben O'Connor an actual GC podium threat now with a three-minute 20 advantage plus on all the other podium contenders? No. Top five, yes. Top three, no. I think his time trial is not good enough. Um, I think he's going to lose time in the time trial. I think he's going to lose some time in the climbing. And I expect Carapaz and Iran still to be uh, the stronger ones. and podium i think that vingegaard was on the edge for me of the podium before the stage but today he cracked a bit in the final two kilometers and if that happens here then it's probably going to be worse in the third week so most likely i think that the experience of uran will move him into the podium and cut a pass as well and nick mas usually becomes better throughout the grand tour so if he if he might be the best climber of the uh of the rest in the third week that is very much possible i think that kelderman is also looking good. His time trial is also good. Mate, but he looks terrible. It was a bit worse than expect. He's nah. He he's not terrible. terrible. He, look, he looks terrible. But Senko was the one to drop <laughs> today. Like Kellerman, how much did he lose today? He lost fourteen seconds. Mate, that's not his terrible. T- his it's, TT it's was not horrendous. Good enough, but fourteen. They they were going backwards up tenure. It's five percent. Sorry, but if you're in the top ten of GC right now in this Tour de France, I won't call you terrible. <laughs> no, I said he's not got. Well, what is he? Uh, <laughs> seventh. I don't know. I think he can top seven. <laughs> oh, well, I was talking about podium. I of course. Yeah, he, I don't see Kelderman as a podium course, anymore. Kelderman come top five with a better TT. I'm just saying. I don't. I don't see podium. Um, Lushenko looks, yeah, he's on the precipice of does he now think about stages later. The big turn-up, Benji, was Thomas after yep. Gruppetto yep. yesterday being able to pull at the end of tenure. 
do you think he lost time deliberately yesterday or no? no? I think that the initial part of the stage being so explosive as yesterday, True. the likes of riders of Van Avermaet saying they rode one of their best 10 minutes in their life. Thomas again saying they're his 20 best 10 minutes of his whole career. That's, that's insane that they have to do that at the start of a stage. And if you hit the wall right there, then you're going to be in the peloton behind and there's no way you can bridge that after that section. So I think yesterday was a situation where certain riders would be dropped behind and called behind because they hit the wall earlier than expected and couldn't like keep it at a decent tempo and could it, couldn't keep it at their usual what's like. But Thomas, is a, he's a time trialist. Well, a mountain time trialist when it comes to the type. So he is probably better off if the tempo is steady. And if it's so surgy at the start of the tour, uh, or the start of a stage, I think that could be troublesome. And I think a lot of riders had that yesterday that will have had a very bad day throughout and might still kick back in the next two weeks. Um, this, but all in all, this great stage, revival today. It, it reminded me so much of that T on 2000 stage, Benji, because of, you know, it's, it suited Thomas and O'Connor yeah. there. It suited them again today. Some news on the Gruppetto Riders have finished outside the time limit. Demar, Guarnieri, De La Place, Stefan de Bod, I think, oh, I think crashed yesterday. Uh, Lamini on Quebec, Vegan, and Brian Cockard. So not good for French sprint hopes. I actually thought Demar was looking a bit better in the last sprint stage, finished really fast, just out of position, and Guarnieri had crashed. So not good for Demar. Whether they reinstate them, they sh- I don't really see a particular, com- particularly compelling reason to do so. Like yeah. Cavendish yeah. made the time cut, Froome made the time cut, Miguel like, Angel Lopez is struggling. It's harsh to be OTL after fighting for an entire stage by like five to seven minutes at the end of a mountain stage like this, but that's a sport. You need to be able to climb enough to finish a stage in time. And it was a crazy first week, but the is also about survival. Cavendish made it as well. He was able to make it. DeMar didn't make it. And once again, just like the last time he had that, he takes half of team with him. True. Yeah. So yeah, Guarnieri gone. It's it's a shame. Cavendish was celebrating over the line. He had De, uh, De Klerk and Mervku helping him. I think these last three stages are, are probably the hardest, Benji, for Cavendish. I mean, we reviewed it, right? I think at the other week looking at the profiles, these are the hardest ones with early climbs. A lot of like Von 2, yes, two big climbs, but there's nothing beforehand. And I don't see the sort of, we're not going to see stage seven again, I don't think, where there's an all-out assault on the flat for two hours at 55 k's an hour. Um, and then Cav got in that move anyway. Uh, but yeah, Ben O'Connor, Benji, I guess everyone should go look him up on PCS. You can see this sort of build, and he's just another reminder that there are riders out there, if you look closely at results in sort of at the Giro last year, that if teams are smart, you can pick up these sort of riders. Same with Mattia Cataneo. He is very, very good, and I don't think he's on uh, too much money either. But tomorrow's the rest day recap, Benji. We'll preview stage 10. Then we're going to preview the first week. We won't do it stage by stage. We'll preview all the Preview the first week, not preview... Yeah, Uh, yeah, some teams might want to have a rerun of it, Benji. And we'll talk (laughs) about the winners and losers Uh of week one. We'll maybe roast some mellow game squads with 2020 hindsight, which is always Probably your own at this point. Yeah, mine is dog shit, mate. It's so bad. I think I got Roglic (laughs) and I got every single ride that crashed. I got Haig. (laughs) No, it's it's bad. Um, And yeah, we might see if we can get an interview on. We might not. Uh, But I've I've been actively refreshing Ben O'Connor Strava and he hasn't put the file up yet. So. Um, sorry, Ben, you should 
get rid of the press conference and upload that so I can look at your Stripe uh, power. But any other, anything else, Benji, from this stage that was interesting is Quintana, you know, are there other things like disappointed you or any storylines that st- stick out? I think we can say that Vinod is definitely not trying to defend his, uh, his GC True. because he uh, actively decided on the second climb to uh, drop with his teammates and with Tony Martin and so forth. So that wasn't going to continue happening. And then the question lies, will he be uh, in full support of Vingegaard or will he go for a stage here or there? I dare to say that he should go for the first on the stages that are mountainous and try and go for the sprints here or there so they can at least try and get something extra out of this Grand Tour. I don't know about the team of Yamu in total, but we'll talk about that uh, tomorrow, how they should uh, continue onwards. But that's, I think, the last extra thing I wanted to mention. And... That's about it, I guess. If you're watching on YouTube, good stage. make sure you give us a like or subscribe to the YouTube channel or give us a review or a rating on Podcast Players. But we'll see you at the rest day recap. Send us some questions at, uh, at LanternRoucheCP or hashtag LRCP on Twitter. We might get to them and uh, we'll see you then. Ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 